Welcome everyone to the Optimal Performance Podcast. My name is Sean McCormick. I'm a life coach, performance coach, wellness entrepreneur, and it's my pleasure to bring to you every single week the world's leaders in the field of performance so that you can live your life at its most optimal level. Plus, cutting edge ideas so that you can stay ahead of the curve in an ever-changing world. Let's dig right in. Oh, we've got a good one for you today. Welcome back, everybody, to the Optimal Performance Podcast. On today's episode, we are joined by Paul Austin, who is the creator of Third Wave, which is changing the cultural conversation around psychedelics. And also, he's the founder of Synthesis, a legal psilocybin retreat outside of Amsterdam. And he's got a lot of cool ideas. I know you are going to love this episode. Please subscribe to this podcast. Share this podcast if you are... If you know anybody that needs needs some help there that's interested in, in psychedelics or, or is trying to imagine uh, a world, a future with psychedelics, this is a really cool episode. Before we jump into the episode, I just want to say thank you to Inside Tracker. Inside Tracker is the solution for people who want to know what's going on inside their blood without having to go to the doctor. It's as plain and simple as that. If you want to get blood work done, you have to jump through a bunch of hoops or you have to be really, really sick. They have to justify doing a hormone panel or doing a inflammation panel of your blood, you have to be sick in order to do that so they can bill your insurance company. And of course, insurance is important to have. You should have it just in case you get really sick or you have a super uh, bad injury or something like that. But if you just want to know what's going on inside your blood, if you want to know what your inner age is, go to insidetracker.com slash optimal. From there, you can check out a couple of the different packages. I would go with the ultimate package and you'll get 25% off all of the services that they provide and give you a really clear snapshot, data-driven about what's going on in your body. If you want to take a look at what's going on in your hormones, strength endurance, your uh, inflammation markers, your stress markers, and then you get suggestions on foods that you can eat and changes that you can make in your life that will help support you. You can also add in your DNA from 23andMe or Ancestry.com, and that will make the suggestions even more custom to you. Like I said, I think this is the future of of health. I think this is the future of optimization, and uh, it is really a cool platform, and I really, really dig it. I've really gotten a lot out of it. So go to Inside tracker.com slash optimal and take advantage of this insane offer. So we're just going to dive right into it. Ladies and gentlemen, Paul Austin from Third Wave. Oh, well, that's a really good place to to begin. I mean, before we hit the record button, we were talking about how long it's been. It's been three years since, uh, since we spoke last and uh, the world is a different place. I mean, the world is a different place two weeks ago, <laughs> but... But you're in a different place. Um, you're you've got all sorts of cool things that you're working on and developing. Um, this is this is cool. I like this vibe. You know, this very sort of like chummy conversational. It feels <laughs> it feels nice to have you know to have open conversation. People can kind of lean in and feel like they're a part of it. Um, well, tell me about. I mean, I'm just going to kind of open up open up the doors for you to kind of to share. There's there's so many questions I want to ask you about the 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 state of of psychedelia and um, the use of 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 psychedelics, the popularity. I mean, in three years, it has just exploded, um, and that's awesome. And also. Uh, uh, sketchy in a lot of ways too, as we try to figure out 
like what a little bit how just a little sketchy right like lot lots going on so i i would love for you to just like hey man hi what, what you been up to for the last three years since you were last year Man, three years in my world is like, feels like a lifetime sometimes. So when we recorded last, I was living in New York. This was early 2018, April 2018. We were two, no, less than two weeks away from having our first synthesis retreat. And so about two weeks after that, we did our first synthesis retreat, legal, medically supervised psilocybin retreat in the Netherlands. We talked about it through Third Wave, enrolled about 25 people. It was beautiful. And... um continue to, you know, the team at Third Wave was really solid and strong. And so I was then traveling back and forth between New York and Amsterdam quite a bit because we did another retreat for synthesis in June and July after Michael Pollan's book on psychedelics came out for another, you know, 25 to 30 people. And then we did a retreat in November, three retreats. And each one of these was like, like the first one was three, the second one was two, the last one was three, right? Like consecutive retreats that we would have. Mm-hmm. Um, so did a total of eight retreats for synthesis throughout 2018. They landed on, you know, we landed on a beautiful church that um, was built in 1928 that had been sort of, uh, had been renovated into like a modern day wellness center with a sauna and six apartments and, you know, a beautiful sanctuary that had been turned into like a common meeting space with couches and lounges and a fireplace and like a beautiful wood table. And then another private space that was like a yoga room where we did the actual experiences and, and they then facilitated, you know, we facilitated, I think over 700 people through those experiences and then COVID hit, COVID hit. And that the retreat part has been shut down. I think they will launch it soon again, but it's still going to be a little bit of time. So that was adventurous. That was interesting. That was tiring. That was a, a big thing to go from, you know, I essentially went from, I built my first online business, like teaching English, built a, built an online education school, um, and then built up that, started Third Wave as a hobby, sold that first business, focused on Third Wave full-time. Third Wave and microdosing generated a lot of energy, and that came in through synthesis. And then I, um, I'm still involved with synthesis, but not in the day-to-day, and stepped back. And in 2019, focused on Third Wave full-time. And brought in, you know, a, a software partner. We started doing a lot more development stuff, and you know, investing in software, operational processes, systems, vision, investment, right? Going from like this kind of lob, hobby lifestyle businesses to a, to a much bigger vision. And the focus really of the last two years has been on third wave, what it is, what it's becoming, what the vision for it is, and as this space proliferates in popularity for good reason. You know, these are incredible tools. It's, 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 it's a great thing that this is happening. It's really important that you have basically actors that have what's best in mind for the space itself, for people generally, for, you know, open source, for healthcare, for well-being. Um, I think that's, that's critical to develop. So that's yeah. where I see third wave is this sort of like, mycelial ecosystem that is collaborative to everything, right? Like mycelial. Yeah. It's super collaborative. It's, it's open. It's, it's free. It's anti-fragile, right? Like how do you create an organization, a system, a a sort of cultural philosophy that embodies the sort of mushroom 
mycelialness, mm-hmm. right? Even, mm-hmm. even like mushrooms are underground, right? A lot, like think of mm-hmm. this current space as like, like psychedelics are healing the toxicity in individuals, right? That's so present in us that we're just becoming more and more aware of, right? It's healing that, that, that toxicity that's baked into us. And through that healing, we're healing the world around us, the environment, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, and, and, and it's the very beginning of that, right? Like this is really nascent and new, but it's essentially the birth of an entirely new evolutionary ecosystem. You know, it's like what Buck, Buckminster Fuller said, um, you know, you don't fight the old model, build a new model that makes the old model obsolete. Right. So if the old model was yeah. one of toxicity and extractivism and suffering and pain, disconnection, then how are we creating a new model that is more regenerative, harmonized, you know, interconnected? It's really important that we utilize psychedelics to amplify that philosophy, that perspective, those values. Hmm. Well said. Holy smokes. Yeah, I mean the, the the connection to the fungi, thinking of it as a mycelial network um, that often, you know, most of it, <laughs> uh, everything but the fruiting body uh, happens – under the surface, um, quietly, um, coordinated is, uh, such a beautiful metaphor. You know, the, there, I think of a couple of different, like you, you know, going back to, to where, when I first heard about you and in your article in Rolling Stone years ago, um, you were obviously way ahead of, of way ahead of where people were thinking about this, right? Like, (laughs) I mean, if in retrospect, you know, that was so cutting edge to approach it as um, a microdosing coach, uh, which is like, and now it is, it's a ubiquitous term. Um, and it has been um, uh, changed and morphed to include all sorts of different substances and practices, um, controlled and uncontrolled, uh, different statuses um, that you know, it, it must be quite a, an undertaking physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually to try to stay ahead of the trends, to, to be able to, to have the vision for where psychedelics are going. And I wonder about like where your head is now. And I mean, I want you to be able to share anything that you feel comfortable with. I know that there's some stuff that you're working on that you may don't, you're, you know, may not ready to talk about, but you know, building physical places where people can go is so essential to this work, right? I mean, we, we have to have that physical connection. We can't be, we can't be, uh, um, we can't be enjoying the full expression of these compounds without human connection, without a place to go to do this work, right? To grow ourselves. Um, so I know that that's a part of it. The website is so phenomenal. I mean, it is this incredible resource. If you have a question about a compound, how, what, who, where, what does it do? What does it feel like? What doses? I mean, the, the website is just has just exploded. It's so detailed. So you've got all of these different types of expressions of, of third wave. You know, what's that like to be, to, to try to be projecting out five, 10, I don't know, 50, 500 years, uh, in this, in this work, man. Like how do you, how do you stay grounded? So the other evening I watched this phenomenal, uh, documentary 
called We Are As Gods. And it was a documentary about the life of Stuart Brand, who was the founder of the Whole Earth Catalog, the first man to think about um, looking at the Earth from outer space. He petitioned the government, had a huge movement around it, which is what actually influenced Earth Day. And Stuart is now working on a project that he is trying to de-extinctify the woolly mammoth to help regenerate um, the uh, tundra steppelands at the taiga of like Siberia and Northern Europe and, and, North, and North America, right? It's a really fascinating project. And in that, they talk about this concept of time, right? Because Stuart's also a co-founder of the Long Now Foundation, which has installed a 10,000-year clock in the side of a mountain in Texas with the help of Jeff Bezos because they're really Hmm. questioning, like, what is time? Are we looking at things very myopically? The next 10 years, you know, doom, gloom, apocalypse, the world is ending. You know, like, it's a lot of fucking fear right now that's coming up. Or do we, are we a little more reasonable? And do we ask, where is this in... 100, 500, 1,000, 10,000 years, right? So um, so how does that relate to psychedelics? How does that relate to third wave? Well, Stuart Brand in the 60s was instrumental in the early psychedelic movement. He was part of the Merry Pranksters with the Grateful Dead. Uh, his work with psychedelics helped to then inspire the computer revolution. He was the sort of, you know, Steve Jobs was enamored with Stuart Brand. Um, and uh, Stuart Brand like held court there with the guys who were inventing the computer revolution, right? And, and inventing the, you know, Douglas Engelbaugh, are these, all these folks. So that, that computer revolution was indicative of this um, desire to live in an interconnected world, right? Because back there, it was much more you had to call the telephone or you had to, you know, send post or it was very industrial, and what psychedelics did is they introduced the information age, right? The information revolution. Uh, information wants to be free. And so when we free information, we allow ourselves to live in a more sort of powerful, sovereign, um, uh, beautiful way, expressive way. So what psychedelics do then is they really help with uh, a sense of, I would say deconditioning from the ills of modernity is how I've put it. Deconditioning from the toxicity of industrialism, deconditioning from the 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 the, the lack of awareness, the unawareness of you know our pain and our suffering, and helping to build essentially what I would term to be a more integral society, right? A society that views itself as interconnected, uh, basically. And and if that is true, how does that influence our values, our perspectives, the way we treat people, the decisions that we make, the way that we choose to communicate, right? I think this is sort of, um, this is the uh, opening that psychedelics allow for. Now, psychedelics are catalytic in that they can put you into that perspective, you know, can put you into that mind's eye, that third eye of uh, the mystical experience. And they don't necessarily guarantee enlightenment or guarantee, you know, whatever else it might be. There's a lot of psychopathy that come come up as a result of psychedelics. There are a lot of folks that can't do psychedelics. But generally, the trend is definitely towards like people when they do psychedelics, they learn that 
the external space, the external world is largely illusory and that um, basically there's nothing to be afraid of when it comes to dying because death is an illusion as a result of that, Mm -hmm. right? And so there's a really like, oh, you can just relax into life a little bit more because it allows Mm -hmm. and it opens up for a place of courage. But this isn't, you know, some some folks take that as a messiah complex. Some folks take that as, you know, they're, they're, it's, it's a power thing. So there, there are definitely, we all have darkness and shadow and, uh, some people's is a lot more disgusting than others. So I think it's, it's, and it's really good to be having that level of discernment, that awareness as you're choosing, for example, which providers to work with. Because if you're choosing to put yourself in this vulnerable and suggestive state, then you want to be in the graces of someone who can care for you, who can listen for you, who can guide you. And this is what, this is the question, the core question that we're asking with Third Wave then is through our platform, how do we help enable that level of trustworthiness between providers, practitioners, and those who want to work with psychedelics? Hmm. Uh, and then, And then how do we just take care of because a lot of this is about the skill of working with psychedelics. So how do we just teach that as a, like, think of it as basic psychedelic literacy, just like we all learn like our basic financial literacy. We learn how to pay taxes. We learn how to check our bank accounts. We learn how to get a job. We like, you know, there's a lot of people that could go a long way with getting basic psychedelic literacy, right? So let's help to build that through third wave as a platform, which we've already done. Uh, We already have a good start on, I would say, uh, and it's continuing to grow and evolve. And then let's roll. So the next project that we're rolling out soon, um, as it relates to this, is this directory, which is then a listing of providers, retreat centers, clinics, therapists, and coaches, where you can find, you know, someone, if you want to do this work, you can find it, you can find someone to do it with, essentially. And, Mm. and so with that, we're rolling out a, a certification program, right? So there's a lot of coaches then that can hold space for psychedelic experiences that can coach people through this. And a lot of the programs so far are focusing explicitly on clinical outcomes, you know, hmm. depression, addiction, anxiety, alcoholism, PTSD, and these are necessary and important. And it's like the first round of what psychedelics will do. But in the spirit of being a little forward thinking, you know, we're, we're focusing on non-clinical outcomes. So how do psychedelics help with flow, creativity, leadership, optimal wellness, um, you know, chronic, it could be things like chronic disease or chronic inflammation, right. That can also be healed through this and bringing together a very diverse and incredible faculty to, um, essentially teach that. And, and then, um, not necessarily doing it for, folks who don't have a coaching practice and want to become a coach, not so much, but for those who already have established coaching practices and recognize psychedelics as what I would call a potent tool for be for behavioral change. Right. And as we know, uh, for, as you know, both of us are coaches, when you're working with clients, um, you want to help them accelerate or help them, um, you know, accelerate behavioral change. You want them, you want it to, to feel easy. You want it to go smoothly. You want to hold them when it's difficult, but also, you know, inspire them and, and help them understand their goals and objectives. And psychedelics, if used with clients in a great way, can catalyze incredible change and transformation mm-hmm. in an accelerated window. And I think there's likely, from my humble perspective, nothing or maybe biased perspective is a way of putting it. There's probably nothing more valuable as a tool in your toolkit to really learn how to work with well. 
uh, because of the way that it can accelerate change. And if you don't, it's it's kind of like playing with fire a little bit because if you don't learn how to use it well, it can it can potentially ha- uh, cause more harm than good. Mm-hmm. So you got it's it's a little bit like um, you know Mickey in Fantasia with the wizards, you know, mops and buckets. If you're going to be using the magic, you got to learn how to work with it first, you know? Yeah, right. A quick announcement for one of our sponsors and then right back into the episode. This episode is brought to you by Belcampo. You see, you shouldn't eat meat that's raised in feedlots and pens with animals being fed grain and corn their whole life. That's just not good meat for you. Uh, it's bad for your brain. It's bad for your body. It, their fat is toxic. We should know this by now. And Belcampo is the solution. In fact, regenerative farming overall is the answer. We we should eat animals the way that they were evolved, which is roaming slowly, eating grass until it's time to harvest. And what Belcampo does is they have pioneered a hyper-sustainable, organic, grass-fed, grass-finished, certified humane meats, broths, and jerkies. I myself, uh, I eat probably 80% animal products. Uh, eat some vegetables, some fruit, but most of it comes from meat. And Belcampo is tried and true in creating regenerative farms with the best, highest nutrient-dense animals that you can possibly get. So what does that mean? Well, that means that the grass-fed and pasture-raised meats from Belcampo have amazing benefits for your health. So healthy fats. They're lower in total fat, but with more good fat and less bad fats. You know, you can feel good shopping and buying meat that's delivered right to your door that's good for the planet with happier animals that grew slowly, that have higher nutrient density. And the offer for you is a very, very strong one. You can go to belcampo.com slash optimal performance, or you can just use the promo code optimal performance and you'll get 20% off your first purchase at Belcampo. Okay. Back to the episode. Oh yeah. So as I zoom out and think about, okay, what's Paul really focused on now? It's allowing, empowering, educating individuals who have their own networks, who have their own connections with different people to really um, understand and cultivate practices for best practices for use to really help people transform in their coaching practice. And a lot of it, a lot of the way that I love to teach is, is experiential. In other words, the coaching is you going through this. Yeah. Like, 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 uh, yeah, well, teach theory, there's classes, there's Q and a, there's, you know, it's definitely, it's integrative. So there's intellectual components certainly, but like, this is, this is this is also very experiential. This is asking you to commit to the changes and shifts yourself and teaching through that lens, as well as these are all these are all this is these are the the menu of options, if you will, if you're if you're going to work with these tools. And and the way that I look at psychedelic psychedelics as a skill is there's three core components to consider, um, which is macrodoses, microdoses, and then supporting modalities. Meditation, breath work, yoga, neurofeedback, float tanks, uh, you, you know, anything that helps you with cultivating presence, awareness, letting go of stress, et cetera, et cetera. So learning how to, int- you know, work with a client as it relates to those three things, there's actually, there's, 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 there's a relationship there. There's a harmony there. There is a way of um, harmonizing those components to be optimal for the client that someone might be working with. Because... You don't want to, for example, start with the wrong type of medicine 
you don't want to give too much of that medicine the first time. Mm-hmm. And um, you also don't want to um, do it too often, right? Like a macrodose is good once. What usually the way that I work with clients is we'll do two to three experiences over six months, mm-hmm. higher dose as like an initiation, sort of initiation and opening, right? This is this is based on the MAPS trials, MAPS for their MDMA for PTSD trials. They do three experiences in 12 weeks, three experiences in three months, right? So spread it out a little bit more. Some of it may be front-loaded on the front end to catalyze significant change. And then you want to sure people feel held and supported to integrate these new behaviors like a meditation or journaling or fasting or whatever you decide is optimal for the client that you're working with. Um, and what I found in, in, in my work with clients is that most folks are best starting with MDMA or psilocybin. And most folks are best starting with MDMA has been mm-hmm. my, my perspective because, I mean, it's very easy to work with. It's very um, healing. It's very um, just loving. And it's a great opener, initial opener for something like psilocybin. Because once, once you, once you start to fuck with psychedelics, you know, that is, MDMA is a different type of thing. You know, MDMA helps with what I would say, cultivating the soil, but the, the psychedelic is the seed that you plant. Hmm. Uh, it's the new self that you're planting, right? And psilocybin is catalytic for that reason. And um, it needs to be eased into for a lot of folks. So so how do how do we, you know, based on the client's needs, based on the outcomes, based on, you know, are they, are they more from a leadership perspective? Are they more from, you know, an optimal wellness, a peak performance, whatever it is, right? Like life coaching even, right? This can be very useful for life coaching. What are the client's objectives? What are their pasts? What questions are you asking them in the onboarding process to ensure you have a full mm-hmm. scope of who it is that you're working with? What's their psyche? What's their emotional history? You know, all of these questions are really important. And then based on that, how can you help them piece together a more cohesive, you know, inter- interconnected sense of self? Um, and that's, that's, I think it's, it's, it's difficult just because it's so new, but it doesn't need to be. In other words, the 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 skill to work with it is very intuitive to develop, and it's a lot about listening, right? Just learning how to listen. I find I find that right. to be what I come back to again and again is the value of that. Yeah, the the importance of this work, <clears throat> you know this um, this new this new thrust of educating people on how to do this in a responsible way. Um, is so important now because there are lots of folks out there who are have tried have some experience with psychedelics and have had profound experiences that have helped them change their lives. And those folks, because they're excited about the potential of these compounds, because they have one experienced these changes for themselves. Um, they feel a sense of purpose. They feel a sense of duty to pass that knowledge along to help light other people up, to help them learn and grow. And a lot of those people 
maybe shouldn't be running co-pilot on these programs. They don't have any coaching background. They don't have any coaching experience. They're, they're wonderful people. They're warm people. They're beautiful and thoughtful and they are great listeners, but they don't understand the importance of like neutrality within an experience. They don't know how to, um, how to respond when someone is having a hard time. Um, and it's this like, you know, petting the bunny too much, too tightly and squeezing the shit out of that bunny when you're holding space for someone who's going through this experience, uh, you want to love them and help them grow and have the same experience or, 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 um, and a beneficial, a beneficial experience for themselves with these psychedelics, but they have no tools. They've got no context. They don't, they don't know, they don't have the background. They didn't write, they asked the right questions. Now, of course, as I look back under in, in my history of, you know, my experiences with psychedelics, um, in addition to the 120 hour life coaching certification that I went through, it's, it's, you got to do the work. You've got to go through these experiences a number of times. You've got to understand what, how you respond, how you react when things get weird, when your body doesn't work the way that, that you expect it to, when you go into a dark place, when you begin to loop, you know, and that is so important uh, I, I, I see you, I feel you, I hear you. It is so important to empower other people to have tools, have practices. You can't just like, well, it's, it's fairly irresponsible to walk around and say, oh, I'm a psychedelic practitioner and I can help you. I can help you grow with these, with these mushrooms. And, and so here you go, here we go. We're going to do this thing. Um, I've got a setup. And, um, and you really don't have any tools to help people. You don't have, you don't have the context and you don't have the background, you know, in the, in the, in the, in my life, in my life coaching certification, like I shed some tears, like I, I did the actual practices. I did the tools that I now coach around. I did these exercises and I had an, a firsthand experience with them and I know how to kind of navigate through those waters. And so the situation we're in now where everybody wants to try it, everybody is interested in, in, in the, what there is to learn from, from these compounds, but they're just kind of the blind leading the blind a little bit. And that does make me nervous when, before we turned the microphones on, I was like, Hey, we're in a different place than we were three years ago, Paul. Like this is a, this is a new psychedelic world, bro. We're you're deep in the third wave now. Um, and it's also a little sketchy. It's fucking exciting and sketchy because the, you know, there's a lot of folks out there that are, that are, that have great intentions, but don't have the school, the, the skills and the tools to help. So I, for one, think that, that this focus for you, um, is so important. So geez. Well, and that's why I keep talking about microdosing. <laughs> I mean, this is the core of what you're getting at because, you know, we haven't necessarily trained a, a a culture on the the skills that holding space for high dose psychedelic experiences would require. It's a whole new perspective. It's a whole new you know way of um, coexisting with the world. So the 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 reason um, microdosing I think carries so much weight is it really helps people to experience it without needing to necessarily go and have that super high dose experience right away. Um, 
And I think that's valuable as more and more people hear about it. Because if the benefits still turn out to be significant and based on a lot of the you know, based on a lot of what we've seen, they are quite significant. Um then it can be a useful tool until we become a bit more sort of trained. You know, we have more and more people who can actually, you know, hold the space. But that's only like, think of it this way. That's only going to be a few years. You know, um, there's a, there's a, there's several good programs popping up, several great trainers. Synthesis just rolled out a 18 month program, 12 months Hmm. Uh, of of training and then a six month sort of internship that they enrolled like uh, like a hundred more than a hundred people in um, hmm. and CIS has theirs and I know another friend who's training like five to six hundred and he's great and has put together incredible faculty so I think this will happen rapidly to some degree uh, which is the obviously upside to working with psychedelics is like we've talked about they accelerate behavioral change that's the huge plus to them. So psychedelics will help in this adaptive phase. And there is a lot of sort of hoopla right now because of all the financing that's coming into the space and the stock market. And so we're just seeing more and more coverage from a financial perspective. But I can tell you as someone who actually helps, like who does this for real people and doesn't just talk about how we're going to do it in five or seven years for for real people, which I mean, that's, that's a path, right? It's a biotech route. I like to be, you know, as practical and, and you know on the ground, innovative as possible. You know, we're we're definitely seeing an uptick in interest, um, and it, we we haven't quite breached the sort of early. We've breached now the pioneer phase, but I don't think we've breached the early adopter phase at this hmm. point. But I think we'll we'll within the next five to seven to ten years, we will start to breach that, and it will become fairly ubiquitous in the next, I would say, seven to 10 years in most places, like working with these different compounds, these different types of molecules, they're just going to show greater efficacy, greater safety um, than typical, you know, pharmaceutical medications. And so my sense is pharmaceutical corporations will divest from typical conventional psychiatric medications and replace them with these psychedelic compounds or these new psychedelic molecules that are being developed. Mm-hmm. And instead, we'll focus more of their efforts on gene therapy and vaccinations hmm. um, because that's going to become more and more of a thing with these viruses that will continue to emerge as we figure out how do we vaccinate ourselves to everything ever made, which I don't think is wise because <laughs> that, that will just create a massive immunity outbreak and then we'll all be fucked. But, you know, I'm not a public health expert, so please take my... <laughs> My opinion well, of the saint of growth. We could so, we could really easily we could really really easily go down that path at night. <laughs> well, we will, but I just wanted to I've, say I've, I've learned say I've learned my lesson. Yeah, I've done. Yeah, uh, um, I, I'm cu- I'm curious about the marriage between the clinical studies and applications, um, uh, the 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 well-researched, well-documented sort of applications of a psychedelic experience versus a um, non-clinical, non-white-coat um, lab-style sort of experience. And, and for, for me, I'm really torn here because um, I cannot imagine um, getting anywhere near the sort of benefit that I've experienced using psychedelics 
sitting in a doctor's office, listening to somebody's music that they picked out with a blindfold on. And I'm curious about how you are thinking about marrying the, you know, you talked about the MDMA study uh, with PTSD, like, you know, groundbreaking, um, like, how does it, how do you, how do, you know, therapists tie into this, you know, can you go outside in barefoot and, and have that be part of your experience as well? You know, when, when you think about putting together these sorts of best practices, um, how challenging is that to honor the, 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 the clinical science and research, but also honoring the sort of primacy of, you know, finding something, eating and eating it and enjoying you know, enjoying nature a little bit. You see where, where I'm going with that? Oh, yeah. I see. <laughs> <laughs> so part of it is reimagining clinical spaces to be integrative, right? To be, to be, have, to be rewild, to have nature as part of an integral element of those clinical spaces. I think these new churches that will start to pop up that are a synthesis of science and spirituality, which will essentially be these new sort of community spaces where there's meditation and breathwork and yoga and a sauna and a hop, a cold plunge. And, you know, you get to work with psychedelic medicine there. They'll be in beautiful outdoor locations. I think those are the future of clinical spaces. And then they will have specific slots where you'll come out to get treated for PTSD or depression or addiction. And that's where you go to have that therapeutic experience. So I think, and that will sort of coincide with also the greening of cities. So I sense that, you know, more and more clinics are going to look to roll out really just like even field trip. They've rolled out these ketamine assisted psychotherapy mm. clinics and they're, they're stunning. They're beautiful. Uh, so more attention will be paid uh, more. There will be more attention paid to aesthetic and vibe um, mm. than the typical sort of white lab coat clinical space is my sense. Um that I think, and that's the future that synthesis is holding, you know, looking at, you know, with Oregon legalizing psilocybin therapy, what does it look like to open a retreat space there potentially, mm -hmm. you know, and then being able to host both clinical and non-clinical uh, work out of that, that center uh, on a beautiful, you know, out retreat center, basically retreat outdoor location. Right. So I think that they will pioneer that and likely expand on that. And that's how I sense you know, we've seen a significant die-off and lack of interest in traditional mainstream religions, Judaism, Christianity, Islam, um, because it doesn't vibe with sort of our scientific materialist reduction kind of framework. And I think what psychedelics will have to do is re-inspire a birth of um, something that's that's beyond... Um, the, 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 the atheist, you know, materialist perspective. Hmm. And I think that will, um, that's, that, that will influence these new religions, right? Ken Wilber wrote a fantastic book called the religions of tomorrow. And what he talked about in that was like how, you know, when the printing press was invented in 1451, it made literacy on a widespread scale feasible, possible. And, then the enlightenment occurred because of that, because you had the top 10% of the population, right? It wasn't everyone that became literate, but the top 10% of the population became literate, could read, could learn to think, started going to university. And all of a sudden it ushered in this massive period of growth, which led to the industrial revolution and incredible abundance for many of us. 
who are even listening to this. So what psychedelics are doing is they're doing a similar thing where they're helping with awakening, right? So it's a philosophical value that is transcendent to reading, right? Reading is more, I would say, basic, so to say, but we're transcending beyond that, beyond the rational mind back into the mystery and learning how to be comfortable in that space of uncertainty um, and then building new systems. These Again, these systems of interconnectedness based on this, these awakening things. And, and, and that's where I go like, say, not everyone needs to do psychedelics. Not everyone needs to have a mystical experience. Not everyone needs to wake up, right? There will always be sheep. That's just human nature. But what we do need is we need sort of the people who are responsible for creating the systems that the sheep will live in to be awakened. And like Wilbur talked about, with literacy and the enlightenment, right? It was only top 10%. We just need 10% of folks to really wake up in a significant way. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't even think it needs to necessarily be that's global population. It could be like, think of it 10% of, of North America, which would be 35 million people. Hmm. In a way, we're almost there. We're very close to that. We're just learning how right. to integrate it, right? Because of the second wave, there were 30 million people who have done LSD already. Now we're like, the second wave was the opening. It was the catalyst. Now with this third wave, this is the integration. This is where we actually yeah. integrate that altered state of consciousness into our societal systems to create regenerative um, infrastructure that we exist with and through and within rather than that exists for us, right? Mm -hmm. So there's more of a harmony. There's more of a, um, a togetherness with that. Hmm. Yeah, and, and those those folks who have opted into that awakening, who have sought it out, who are asking big questions and doing the work to to get greater perspective on themselves and their roles in reality. When you get to that, what did you say, thirty million? Is that what was that was or three hundred million? Yeah. 35, 40 million. We could even say 50 million if we want to include Europe, maybe a hundred million if we're including Europe, you know? Yeah. So those, those hundred million are also, if it were a Venn diagram, they also probably cross over as leaders. They also probably cross over as uh, visionaries with great ideas, the energy and enthusiasm to push the thing forward. And so it's, um, as, as that grows, again, using that mycelial metaphor, that grows everywhere. It, it touches families. It touches institutions. It touches um, the, the fabric of the way that our, that our um, um, that commerce works and governments work. You know, I, I, was, I, was, um, I did some medicine, plant medicine work a couple of weekends ago and met a couple of uh, vets who um, this was their first real psychedelic experience uh, in plant medicine ceremony. And they all had the same, there's four of them, they all said the same thing. Like, this is far and away, bar none, the most important work that I've done since being out of the military. Like, I am ready now to make some of these changes. I, I don't have all the answers, but what I what I now know about myself after three nights is more than I've ever known before in my life. Why can't this be done at scale everywhere? We're being they're failing us at the VA. They're failing us um, in in these institutions that are supposed to support us, and it just so happens that that those types of guys 
that are involved in doing this type of work are also the guys that are going to be change makers, that they're that are going to go out and make major, major influences in the world. I mean, if you just took that population alone, that's the veteran population who obviously have been part of the, you know, the PTSD studies with MDMA, like my goodness, just imagine how quickly things would change, policies would change, family dynamics would change. Um, how quickly that would change if, if they had access to this type of work. And we had the system available and the training available and the education available to guide people through that. And then the vision of how does that shift and change our external world so that we don't live in such a sort of depressive, melancholic state, because I think that's the challenge and difficulty for a lot of folks right now. Like there's just, you know, life, um, life for some is great, but it kind of sucks for a lot of people. And I suppose that's how it's always been. So this is partly perspective, uh, but there also seems to be a way that this is just not working, uh, particularly in a post-COVID era. Uh, so we really mm-hmm. have to start to imagine what are the new spaces. And, you know, I'm really interested in the, um, you know, the folks who are like buying property in Costa Rica or islands in off of Canada or chateaus in, you know, old chateaus in France, buying land and reimagining what can be done with that land with, uh, yeah. you know, a partner or a, fr- a group of friends or a community, whatever it is. And especially with remote work and everything going online and the advent of cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin, there's this opportunity, this availability for networked states to start to pop up where no longer are you tied together by geographic location, but you are more importantly tied together by common purpose and mission. Um, And, you know, like, so I think that's what businesses are becoming. And so if you hold a vision of what you want your business to be, how you want it to land, think of it as a community, think of it as a networked state, think of it as um, not something that people are doing to make money because money will soon become irrelevant is my sense. Mm-hmm. But, um, uh, and sooner, much sooner than people think, um, at least the way that we know it, you know, money will always be relevant, but like fiat currency and the, cur- yeah, right. it'll just be way different very soon. Um, so I think instead focus on what's the, what's the mission that you want to create? What do you want to bring into the world? How, how, how does your mission, how is it transvisual? How does it align with the missions of other people? How do you tap into that sort of soul that we all, you know, want to uncover and, and, and bring to the world and tie that into building something that's really beautiful and, you know, um, helpful and, um, sustainable. I think that is the sort of new work. That's the um, that's the way that people will um, I- interact with reality, so to say, is everything becomes integrated. You know, they live with the people that they also um, sometimes work with, right? And those people are working on a common mission. And that doesn't mean it's a commune in Arkansas in 1860 and you can never leave. But that might mean, though, is like... You you mutually own a chateau in France, a monastery in Japan, a treehouse in Costa Rica, an island off British Columbia, and it's part of this network state that you're building. And then you just have your team offsites there. People can live there when they want. It's open. It's spacious. It's dope as fuck. You know, Mm. like that. That I think is the future of 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 work of existing is giving people those options in a way and, and building and creating that for them. And then it'll be easy to, you know, how do you figure out food and, you know, like, do you, can you grow your own stuff on that land? We'll have technology available that'll make it easier and easier to grow really nutritious food for ourselves. We'll have self-driving cars and, you know, you know, planes and drones and we're going to Mars. I think there's a lot of innovation to be optimistic about in the next 
10 to 20 years. And mm-hmm. I, I, ta- I mentioned this earlier, I, I touched on this earlier, but it's also, I think, important to think of time as something of the industrial era. And with the advent of psychedelics in the 60s, we learned to reevaluate time to be not so linear, if you will. Industrialism needed time to be linear because we needed to have a clock that people punched out at. We needed a nine to five. We needed to um, you know, keep track of things and pay people by the hour and measure things in a very linear fashion for the success of capitalism. But as we move into a post-capital world, a post-material world, it's critical that we have a clear sense of um, how, you know, what role information will play in that um, and what, what role staying, you know, connected will play in that and, and, and the role that, that general, you know, integrated systems will we're playing that. So it's, it's, it's an exciting, I think it's an exciting future. It, like I said, it will come much quicker than people think because time is circular hmm. as we know. And, um, we're sort of just living in natural recurrence is my perspective, you know? <laughs> and then, and, and like, it just, what we're coming into is what we've always, always have come into what we always have meaning to come into, which is that singularity yeah. essentially. What stands in the way of that of that process? Um, and and when I say that process, I mean true synthesis and harmony uh, with within these changing structures, these changing paradigms of currency, of togetherness. Um, like, what in your mind are some of the major obstacles in the getting in the way of the vision that you've that you've laid out? Another quick announcement and then right back into the episode. This episode is brought to you by Blue Blocks. Blue Blocks are the masters of light. They've really figured it out. They've not only created amazing blue blocking glasses for screen time with yellow tints for summer glow or with orange tints for protecting your eyeballs for screens in the evening time. They've done it again. They've innovated again. And now they've made the Hive Red Light Therapy device. Red light and near-infrared light therapy has been scientifically proven in peer-reviewed clinical trials to have an anti-aging effect on your skin, help with neurological disease, fight depression and anxiety, increase fat loss, speed recovery from exercise, improve your sleep, increase strength and endurance, combat some autoimmune conditions, fight hair loss, and speed healing from injury, all with little or no side effects. This is This should blow your mind because it's incredible. Red light therapy is one of my favorite hacks for, it's helped with my hair growth for sure, and also it's helped me recover from injuries. And there are two specific frequencies of red and near infrared light, and they've been shown to be the most powerful and effective, and these are 660 nanometers and 850 nanometers. And there are three options for you. They have the Hive Mini, which is like a handheld red light device, a Hive Demi, which is a little bit smaller, sort of like desktop, and then the big dog, the Hive Max, which you can hang and uh, really is a full body uh, experience. Incredible products from Blue Blocks, and you can get a bunch of discounts if you go to Blue Blocks right now. Blue Blocks is doing an end of the year sale. So what's that mean for you? Any order over $159 is 20% off. Anything over $160 is 25% off. And anything over $315 is 30% off. Incredible savings. If you've been thinking about getting into red light, this these guys, they do it right. They are 
masters at this stuff, really incredible products. So go to blublox.com and take advantage of these massive, massive savings at the end of the year sale and enjoy getting your light dialed in. Okay, back to the episode. Well, one is don't focus on fixing the problem. So don't focus on what the, the, um, don't focus on, yeah, don't focus on what's what are the problems that need to be fixed, right? Instead, focus on what's the solution that we want to create. So back to this, the Bucky Fuller, Bucky Fuller example. Back to the Bucky Fuller quote. Exactly. Yeah. And there's this fantastic book called The Path of Least Resistance by Robert Fritz. And it's a phenomenal book. I would highly recommend everyone read it. And in that book, Fritz talks about the importance of focusing on the outcome and being in a creative orientation, right? When we get stuck in a reactive responsive orientation, it's like we're being rubber banded, right? So if there are problems that arise through that creative orientation, in other words, this is what we want to create, then they will naturally resolve themselves on the way to that path because you get you remain clear on the outcome, you revisit that outcome, you sort of see the mountaintop for what it is. You know, and then we come back down and we do the work and, you know, we make the, you know, the secondary choices, but our primary choice is always to that mountaintop, depending on the mountaintop, of course. And I think, you know, what psychedelics will help us do is to focus on vision and creative solutions. And then as problems arise, we are, we simply need to adapt to that, right? Right. Because of what we're building, it's anti-fragile, it's robust, it's resilient, right? It, it wants disruption. It wants things to go wrong because it goes like mushrooms. It adapts and it learns and it grows. So I think the, the, the things that will potentially go wrong will be um, the over-pharmaceuticalization, the over-medicalization, the biomedicalization of psychedelic substances. It's important to emphasize that psychedelics are not pharmaceuticals, just like solar is not gas. They both serve a common um, goal, uh, but gas and oil are fossil fuels and solar is regenerative. Uh, pharmaceuticals are like the fossil fuels of medicine. They are going out of whatever, they're going to go extinct to, to, to some degree, the conventional psychiatric medications that we know, and they will replace more and more by plant medicine, by psychedelics, by herbs, by uh, a more sort of herbalist plant-based way of being because it's simply healthier for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think incentives are going, again, as we step into a post-material world, the incentives are transitioning from what I would call from financial wealth to experiential or even existential wealth. Right. So if, if the orientation is towards, let's say, existential wealth, then you will naturally in that, 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 that evolution of human development, we will naturally choose incentives that align with that. And that is to exist, to exist and thrive in existing requires being discerning about your well-being and how you take care of yourself and the sleep that you get and the sun that you get and the food that you put in your body. Right. That is that is core to existential wealth. And so my understanding is people will orient, some of us, not all of us, the 10%, so to say, will orient towards mm-hmm. that and then and then help build, you know, the new, again, and then build anti-fragile adaptive systems that respond to other issues and challenges and things that may arise. I think to get a bit more practical and grounded, you also have issues with providers, unlicensed providers, providers who have a history of, you know, things that related to sexual, whatever, sex, sex, sex and psychedelics don't typically mix. So it's good to be mindful and aware of, of, um, provider quality. I think it's also important to be mindful of spiritual bypass. 
That's why I talked about before the need to start with something like MDMA and do deep trauma work before getting into psilocybin. Uh, there's a lot of spiritual bypassing. People just go into like 5-MeO-DMT and then think they're enlightened and they don't realize they have this stinking shadow that is projecting all over the place that they have no awareness of, right? Mm-hmm. So I think it's good to first um, do a lot of inner work, work with these tools and substances in a significant way. I've been working with psychedelics for about 11 years now. And I've always done them by and large, not necessarily in a therapeutic context, sometimes in a therapeutic context, but always in an intentional context, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's always been sort of my, my way of doing it. I mean, I've dropped acid a couple times at a party, sure, but that's more the rare situation than, than, than the common thing. Um, so spiritual bypassing, it's not for everyone. So there are some people, so psychedelics are really great at um, um, addressing rigidity, right? interrupting rigidity um you know some would call that interruption of the 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 default mode network so that's mm-hmm. why it's so uh, helpful at treating addiction and alcoholism and depression and um anxiety is it disrupts that rigidity fantastic great what it's not it's but it it it, it, it introduces more entropy and more chaos into the system it introduces openness right but if you're schizophrenic or if that veil's already been open or if you're very sensitive you know like it's really best to be mindful of how much you take of these and who you take them with and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I think other challenges just come from within the, the psychedelic space itself. There is, I would say in it's becoming bigger, which I appreciate, but still in some of the, I would say more subculture, there's a lot of victimhood. Um, There's a lot of, what I would call drama and cattiness and Mm -hmm. a lot of um, focus on things that just don't really serve the greater good in the vision. And, and um, I think are, are more harmful than, than, than good. And I think that's not only true of the subculture. I also think that is true of the um, biotech and overly medicalized, plays that are coming into the space in that there's a lot of attempts at patenting and what I would call rent seeking. In other words, trying to quote unquote patent something that's was really not an innovation whatsoever. You're just patenting a molecule that already exists. Mm-hmm. And your strategy is no better than like a nonprofit strategy, for example. And mushrooms grow everywhere anyway. So I think I'm not anti-synthesis. I think synthetic molecules are valuable and great. I just think the overemphasis on how necessary they are plays back into the industrial FDA approval model. And as we've talked about this entire conversation, everything we're building with psychedelics is to go beyond that model, beyond the FDA approval pharmaceutical model and, 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 you know, um, beyond sort of the, the the healthcare system that we have out now into something that is radically different and um, more cohesive, more inclusive, more integrative, all those sorts of things. Hmm. Yeah, those are great. Those are great examples. Those are, those are certainly, certainly things that, uh, that you have to consider for what, for what comes next uh, variables in the, in the process of evolution. Um. One thing that I that I sort of wonder about is as more and more interest from more and more you know institutions comes into the psychedelic space, um, this just this like you spoke of, spoke to like with the patenting thing. That was one of the questions I was going to ask you is 
you know, you can say, Hey, I, I want to, I want to patent this because I want to protect it. <laughs> um, you know, we've, we've heard that before and, uh, I want to be involved because I, because I, I want to do this the right way. I, I, I mean, well, I, I have great intentions in protecting this so that it doesn't get into the wrong hands or so that it doesn't get bastardized or, or abused or misused. And I think that sentiment makes sense. And also, um, I have experienced, and I know you have too, is, is people who, who have, um, had deep experiences who are involved in psychedelics or in, in communities or organizations in this work. I think there is a tendency to be like, Hey, I've got all the answers. I got it all figured out. Like I've done, Hey, I've thought about this a lot. I got this figured out. Just let me kind of do my thing. Cause I'm going to, I'm going to make it work, you know? And so I wonder about like the full stack process of, you know, how's it grown? How's it studied? How's it applied? How's it researched? What are the applications of it? You know, like there, there, there's, there's aims to, to really control that whole entire process. And I wonder what your, those are kind of two questions is the patenting thing, how that, how that, how you assume that's going to evolve. And, and also the, the need or want or the compulsion to try to control the entire process of cultivation to testing to publishing and, and, and the actual practitionership, uh, not to mention like sort of the follow through of the integration after the experience. Those are kind of two different things, but I want your thoughts. Yeah. The, so my bet, my sense is patents just like horse buggies are a thing of the past. Um, and they're not really going to come back in a significant way. It's harder and harder to protect patents and things are becoming more open source. Information wants to be free after all. So my sense is particularly as it relates to psychedelics, that the patent model is great for pharmaceuticals. It doesn't really work as well for psychedelics. I think there will be money in it, but I don't think it will be near as lucrative as, as people anticipate. I think what's more lucrative is, as we were talking about earlier, these networked ecosystems, these communities, this um, ability to help, what I would say the second part of that is to create that for folks in a really beautiful, um, held, supported way. Um, so I think the second element of what you asked about, the first element, I, I mean, there will be patents on certain things, there will be molecules, I don't think they'll be that widely used. And I think patents are a thing of the past with the second thing. That depends on the company, right? There are some BMF companies that do on to own, obviously, you know, end to end, which makes total sense from a business sort of vertical integrated perspective. My sense is how business is going is we sort of reach, and I'm not totally convinced of this perspective, but it's my sense that we've reached peak centralization and there will be more and more sort of fractaling of um, income and resources. As for example, something like even what Tesla is building is they're building redistributed energy. So you'll be able to soon charge other people for just having solar panels and redistribute energy. You'll be able to, you know, self-drive your car or go around and make money for you. Like there's just going to be more ways to like provide and receive value that keep us in a very, like I said, most of our basic needs are covered. And so I think from that perspective and view, you know, we just look to focus on um, new, new ways of expressing ourselves you know, new, new art forms, new creations, new, whatever else it might be. And, um, we're all becoming sort of artists and creators. Mm -hmm. And so what does that mean for the specifics of your question? There will probably be 50 to hundred companies who do that for folks in the psychedelic space. And they'll all have their sort of different methodology and different way of doing it. 
And there will be some that are bigger than others, but I think it'll be a very sort of fractalized space. Um, it's going to be more difficult than psychedelics. Again, this is just my sense to build a massive, massive corporation um, because of the power of the sort of underground decentralized network. And, and, and decentralization is in some, in many ways, antithetical to, to corporations. Mm. It's more aligned with these network states that we've been talking about. Mm. So again, back to the Bucky quote is the systems will get so good, so agile, so mutually beneficial, so supported within these networks of different people from all over the world who are doing these things. It's not that, that the old guard, the old process, um, the old institutions that are trying to hold on to the old way of doing things are just going to sort of like, well, that just doesn't work anymore. Like we've, we've, we've moved past that, you know, the, the, the fact that um, charismatic, influential, highly networked people talking to other charismatic, intellectual, smart, visionary type of people, helping other people all across the world create these new systems, uh, that's, that's it's where it's headed anyway. And, that, and you're suggesting that it's coming, it's coming real fast. I love that. Well, I think it has to. There's sort of a we, we're on a bit of a time crunch, folks. Let's get there, let's get our shit together. Let's get in the van. We got ten minutes, okay? So it's one of those yeah. situations where humanity has brought itself to this precipice, but ultimately, I believe in our adaptive ability and just like totally new. In, like, imagine going through the Middle Ages, right? We're kind of going through the Middle Ages right now, a little bit, a little bit, and mm. it's going to be much quicker than it was before because time again is not linear. Time, time is circular. So it'll go much quicker in sort of these days, years, months, time framing that we have. And um, and that's because it's necessary. And I think we'll see a shrink. We'll see a contraction. I think viruses are going to kill tens of millions, hundreds of millions of people, potentially even billions. Um, but I don't think we'll go extinct. I think most there will be a good chunk of us that survive and it will be up to us to build in these new systems and uh, make them as regenerative and holistic as possible. But we didn't really get into the dark side so much today, but I definitely think there will be massive widespread suffering for the next 10 to 20 years, right? It's it's not going to, this isn't going to be like fucking walk in the park, right? Like any shedding process, any process of um, significant transformation comes with some, some, you know, rocky times at sea. And I think we're starting to get into that a little bit, but mm. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I hope all things go well, and I'm, I'm holding the vision that all things will go well, and that there won't be, you know, more and more viruses and and other things, like super flus or or whatever it is. It just um, feels like we're we're a little fragile right now, and and these 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 um, institutions of industrialism in particular are fragile, and attempting to replicate them with something like psychedelics will fail. Without a doubt, it's just a matter of time and what infrastructure is built with it that helps to bring in this new regenerative system. But my bet is that most of these for-profit, not for-profit, most of these public market plays will either shift and transform into something different or it's just, I don't, I don't think they have legs, frankly. Yeah. Well, we're, we're beginning to see that the fragility that we are experiencing in this generation that we didn't have two generations ago is because of the systems that, um, that promote lifestyles that are unhealthy, food choices that are unhealthy, you know, overexposure to media, staying inside, not, you know, not getting love and support from, from a tribal standpoint. So 
we're beginning to see now this sort of this this sort of postmodernist uh, expression of what well, what the fuck happens when people eat McDonald's four times a week? Like, what the fuck happens when people? you know, watch seven hours of screens a day and, and, and sit and work 50 hours a week for not enough money. Like what happens? What's the result? Well, the result is people are less resilient. The result is people are, um, um, closed off to, uh, reinventing new structures, uh, to reinventing themselves. Like it just, this, we're seeing it, we're seeing it right now unfold, you know, um, I, I, I agree. I think that we're, we're in this, we're in this fulcrum point where things, some, this shift is happening. It's happening in every industry all across the world and every country and in, in every soul, right? We're all like, what the fuck is going on? What are we supposed to do? And it just so happens that some of the answers include, well, slow down, go outside, you know, get your feet dirty, um, unplug, relax, space out, you know, that, that seems to help. <laughs> and, and the amplification of that, that shift in lifestyle, the amplification of the, the taking one's ownership. And again, this is a, this is a drum I've been beating for years and years and years from starting float centers to coaching to the podcast is like, we have to own our own health and well being. We cannot expect daddy to come in and make us healthy and happy. Uh, we cannot expect, some institution to just come in and like, Hey, we're going to make you right. We're going to make you healthy. Don't worry. We got you covered. It just doesn't happen that way. It just doesn't exist. And they're also not going to expand your consciousness and help you create a vision for yourself. Like you have to do that work yourself. And, uh, I think we're growing up to a certain extent. We're in this, we're in this point where we have to grow up and, you know, these psychedelic compounds are, are in my, in, in my experience. And I know yours are the most, um, the most uh, important tools for doing that. They are. They're incredibly yeah. important. Well, this has been great. I know you've, you're a busy guy. I don't want to take up any more of your time. Um, I, we, we could, there's a lots of different other sort of roads we could have gone down. Um, where can, what would you like people to do? Where can they find you? Where can they, where can they learn more about the training that you're doing? Like where should you direct people? So if people want to learn more about the training, uh, that's, I think the third wave.co forward slash coaching dash certification. You can also send our team an email support at the third wave.co. Um, if you're a coach who wants to become, you know, more skilled at working with psychedelics and that will include an in-person retreat in Eden, Utah, September 9th through 12th, which will be really dope. Um, so that's a good first place. And then the third wave.co for the website, the psychedelic education, um, and paulaustin.co if you just want to learn more about uh, a little bit about my background and history and whatnot. What's your favorite uh, social media uh, platform? Where, where are you most active? Twitter as of late, Instagram as well, paulaustin3w on both platforms. This episode is also brought to you by Natural Stacks. Natural Stacks, not only are they incredible products, but they're natural products and they're open source and every batch is tested, which is not something that very many vitamin or supplement or nootropic manufacturers do. They make my most favorite nootropic of all time, which is Neurofuel. I love it. I would not be able to be as productive and, and do this podcast without it. It has really aided in my ability to find the words that I'm looking for. It has aided in my ability to stay focused and also improve my memory. 
you know, all of these resources that I go through and these guests on these podcasts have so much amazing wisdom. Uh, I would not remember half of it if it weren't for Neurofuel. So you can go to naturalstacks.com and you can use the code OPP15 for 15% off. Uh, go pick up some Neurofuel. And while you're at it, pick up some magnesium because MagTech is an amazing product and everybody needs magnesium. And um, really enjoy, kind of cruise around. Another really great product is serotonin brain food. But if you are looking to focus, go check out some Neurofuel.